Hey, Adam. Yes, Mike. Sonata finished the story. He finished the story. I feel like I heard that, even though I was trying not to. I feel like I heard that over and over again a few weekends prior, but here it actually happened. And it's also fitting you said finish the story. I think this podcast is the last one to talk about Sonata finishing the story. We are finishing the story about finishing the story. I've noticed how we've gotten in our older age in that we are now more concerned with getting a preview up for some of these shows, like say the December stardom show or say, you know, the Tokyo dome, because everybody and their mother, even people that don't cover Japanese wrestling are now talking about those big shows because they're so accessible. And because most of these places have people that want to hear about those shows. So you get Dave and Brian and this show and that show and every other show doing it. We'll give you some time to to suck on what those people are saying. And then you come here for the final word. <laughs> yes, the final word. I feel like you're in Chicago. Wasn't that a like the, the local Fox affiliate sports show on Sunday nights where they would just talk about uh, in which way the Bears lost that weekend. I feel a, like yeah, I think that thing. is a Fox O and O thing. They had that in in DC as well too. Yeah, the the final the final word or the final score or whatever that yes. was called. Neither of us are Corey McFerrin, but this is in fact the final <laughs> word. I'm sure all of like the three listeners in Chicago. Who knows? Maybe we've got a real strong Chicago base here. Uh, we'll recognize that reference. But yes, the biggest question that we had on the last podcast a couple weeks back question that even Kevin Kelly raised uh, as Sonata made his way to the ring uh, at Sakura Genesis on April 8th. Would Sonata be Hiroki Goto? Because it was made very clear, first by us on this podcast a few weeks ago, and then by Kevin Kelly on commentary, that if Sonata lost to Kazuchika Okada, he would be Hiroki Goto. I was on the edge of my seat throughout this as someone who is... uh, in the tank for Sonata, we've talked about that time and time and time again. I leapt off my chair like it was game seven of the Stanley Cup final and my team had just scored the game-winning goal in overtime to win the cup when Sonata hit his move, the deadfall, and got the pin on Okada. I was pumping my fist. My feet were off the ground. I was happy. When he let go of the skull end and went up to the top rope for the moonsault, what did you do? I nearly cried. I was like, this man is going to moonsault directly into two knees. He is going to eat a landslide that's not really a landslide, but Kevin Kelly calls it a landslide. And then he is going to get Rainmakered directly to the mid-guard for the next 15 years. <laughs> and that, of course, obviously didn't happen. They did finish the story with Sonata that, I mean, look... Anything you want to say about Roman Reigns, you can say, hey, Cody Rhodes can can come back from this and you can tell another story again. As we talked about in the previews, there was no other story to tell with Sonata at this point, except he would be Goto and it would be time to find him a partner like Despy or whatever and go into that. 
there was no other choice here. There was nothing else. Unless he sucked so bad during the first half of the match that Okada or somebody called an audible. And what were the chances of that happening? About nil. So they did it the right way. They had good callback spots. They had good danger spots that we all like i just mentioned with the skull and moonsault combination that always drives alvarez nuts every time it happens this was exactly what they needed to do and i don't know if this was the best combination of these two that i've ever seen in my entire life but you know what it didn't have to be 17 stars what it had to be was a really really good match with two good performances that people believed at the end so you know that Sonata's your champion, and I thought they did that. Yeah, I thought it was a very good match with a great finishing sequence, which is pretty much uh, the floor for uh, uh, an Okada title match. Sonata, I thought, more than held up his end of the bargain. I mean, this was, you know, the, again, the whole thing of finishing the story is is kind of cliche, but that's really what this was. If you're going to make a guy, this is how you do it. He overcomes adversity. He gets new friends. He comes up with a new move that's unlike anything he's done before. And then he beats the guy that outside of one occasion has been the bane of existence and has been the wall that he can't climb over. On top of that, he has a new look. He has new gear. He has new entrance music. You can't try much harder to make someone than they did with Sonata over the past couple of months in the New Japan Cup into Sumo Hall. And... Again, jury's out, but it seems like it's working so far. It's, I, I think we talked about a little bit in the previous shows that as as we were building to this, as New Japan was building to this, that they needed someone else in the main event scene that was over, that was new in terms of being established as a main event championship guy. They needed a bridge, a bridge to show to Umino as a champion, a bridge to a few years down the line, Yoda Suji, a bridge to the guy that I firmly maintain will be the best wrestler in the world when he comes back to New Japan off of excursion, Yu Yu Uemura. You can't just keep cycling the title among the same three or four guys for another two, three, four years waiting for those guys to get ready. And really, Sonata and the guy in a different way, the guy that he's going to be making his first title defense against, Hiromu Takahashi, those were the two guys that you could most easily... Uh, plug into this spot with a little bit of work, obviously a little bit more work with Sonata. Uh, but now you've got a guy that for however many years this lasts, and I'm not saying the title reign is going to last that long, but him as a main eventer, however many years that lasts, you now have him in that role. Um, you know, and as we'll talk later, looking ahead to what they've got planned for him, he's fairly well protected in that any big match that he has, whether it be against Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi, or obviously Tetsuya Naito at some point, any big Sonata versus LIJ main guy match is going to draw. It, it will protect Sonata as a champion. You brought up a great name there with Shingo because some of the things you were saying about Sonata fit perfectly with Shingo, you know, when he came. Now, it's I don't think this won't have the shine Sonata's reign that Shingo's did because I think there were a lot of people that I think I discovered that maybe didn't really know how good he was in Dragon Gate and maybe just I, I don't know but it seemed like there were people that were 
shocked at how good the title reign was where we were kind of like, well, you know, hey, it's Shingo. You know? Well, I think there were people that had either only seen him, and he was very good at this point, but had only seen him uh, in his ROH excursion, his all-caps Shingo, or just had never seen him before in Dragon Gate. And so when he came in, it was a, oh, well, yeah, this, I've heard this guy's pretty good. This this will be all right. And then, you know, thrust into the spotlight, whether it be via, uh, and due to you know, COVID changes or injuries, he knocked it out of the park, Grand Slam. Yeah, Will Ospreay. I mean, how disappointed a lot of people were that that thing was going to be ending. And you have Shingo and Okada, and then Shingo goes on, you know, what was a great run. And that's... That's going to be because there's a business issue that we're going to have to see how the crowds are. And, you know, like the quarterback, like, you know, you he is going to be pointed at for good or for bad with people really studying. OK, what what changed since the last time they were in this building? He's going to get, you know, a lot of scrutiny that way. But one thing we know is much like Shingo, he can go in there with everybody and have a great match at the very least have a really good match. And you mentioned being a bridge and who knows if he even makes it that long to be a bridge to one of those other guys. But if that is the case, I mean, how smooth is Sonata? How good could he make one of those other guys look? How good could he make a Shota Umano look? And I know people, okay, well then the match with Knight. Okay. Yeah, that was one match. And we've seen him since then be very good. And it, Hey, even if he's not, who would you trust? Who would you trust with one of the guys like Yoda Suji coming back? You know, and you said, oh, here's a choice of matches that he can have and we need to make him look good. Sonata's going to be at one of you know, the top of my list to have him do that. So if his reign does go that long or his stay on top goes that long over a couple of reigns where it is time for one of those guys to be the guy that takes the belt and he happens to have it, you know, they're probably going to be in pretty great hands. Yeah, I, I would think so. And I think kind of to that end, it also isn't a bad thing to have a guy, uh, you know, like Sonata, who, yes, he now is firmly established as a main event guy. He's the IWGP world champion. But he's also a guy that really for almost any defense going forward, you can buy that he could lose the title more so than, you know, Okada you know, necessarily early in his reign where you just don't expect him to lose the championship. And I think there's there's a bit of an added benefit there. Uh, the other reign that I think is somewhat instructive to look at, and it's obviously you could not have more diametrically opposed wrestlers in terms of their in-ring styles at this point and the styles of their matches, but it's very similar to what happened when Hiromu Tak or excuse me, when Evil won the New Japan Cup, won the title, and then it was defending against LIJ guys, sort of as a you know, kind of a, a safety valve to see how he could do. Uh, that reign, for a lot of different reasons, didn't really take. I think for a lot of other reasons, um, this most likely will. As far as attendance for this show, I, I can't remember whether it was Dave or Brian or both of them that had brought up, you know, oh, 6510, that's that's not a sellout at Sumo Hall. It basically was a couple hundred shy of what a sellout was for this show, uh, given that it was tickets were sold under... Uh, previous guidelines, the the sort of sumo seats where people can sit together. Oh, those the box were, gimmick, yeah. Yeah, there weren't as many people allowed in those as there normally would be. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily look at that as being a negative. And yes, while it's not 10,000 people in Sumo Hall, there haven't been too many IWGP title matches uh, over the past three uh, years or so um, outside of uh, Russell Kingdom 
uh, Tokyo Dome that have drawn 6,500 or more people. So I think it would be uh, it would be disingenuous to say from an attendance standpoint this was a failure in any way. They did announce during the show the G1 schedule for this year. By the time that happens, is Sonata still a at least a one-time IWGP World Heavyweight Champion? Yeah, I mean, I, it's really interesting. I, I I feel like one way or the other, he's dropping the title to Naito. I just think it's a question of whether it ends up happening at Dominion or whether it happens after the G1. I It's... Because he got that win over Naito in the New Japan Cup, and yeah. I can't fathom that's going to be the the end of that story. No, and if you look, how many more Tokyo Dome main events does Naito have? And that's they know that there are a lot of people that want to see him win the IWGP title in the Tokyo Dome. Now, could he lose it the next day to Hiromu? Sure, he could. <laughs> you know, but I, I to me. Unless, again, and you got to see how the rain goes because you have so many escape valves, you know, if you need them, if the rain is, isn't, isn't humming the wrong, you know, along the way that you want it to, where to me, Naito either failing late in the G1 and then needing some way to pull out winning the briefcase. And I know they moved away from that with Okada last year, but it's not Okada anymore. It's not Okada's character you know, with the briefcase. So you could do something with it again if you chose, if you so chose, or just have Naito win the G1, and that sets up the Tokyo Dome, because I think, unless Sonata's doing poorly, you might as well let him go on top, because at the end of the day, either Naito or Hiromu are one of the guys that I would, I probably want to see win the title or at least be in contention at the Tokyo dome, nothing against Okada, nothing against Omega, nothing against anyone. But you know, once you get away from a couple of names, what else is there? So to me, Naito or Hiromu against Sonata would be the thing that makes sense. Yeah. It would make a ton of sense to me. I, I think as much as it would, I still just in the back of my mind, I just can't, get there yet not with what i would like to see but i just can't get there yet with the idea that they are going to go into the tokyo dome with sonata being in one of the main events and i guess technically the main event for if it's for the iwgp world title Uh, we talked about it before there's a lot you know still hanging out there in terms of you know are we going to get uh okada uh osprey uh, are we going to get uh, Omega Osprey? Are we going to get Omega Okada? Something like that. Some It feels like some permutation of that is going to take place at the Tokyo Dome. Will the IWGP world title be in that mix? Would the AEW title be in that mix? Would they go the route of you know none of the championships being in the mix? The U.S. title? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel like however this reign ends, it's going to be Naito... Uh, being the one to beat Sonata and either go into the Tokyo Dome as champion and successfully defend at the Tokyo Dome or go in as challenger and win the title at the Dome. If that's the case, I, you know, there, there aren't, to your point, it's like New Japan is very deep. Then when you start thinking about potential Tokyo Dome matches for Naito to win the title at the Dome, I mean, I guess there's Sonata, obviously. You could do Okada again, but it just feels like we've been there so many times. And once you get past that, like, it's obviously not going to be Jay White. I don't 
dare allow myself to think that the uh, the new Bullet Club David Finlay push is going to be strong enough that that's who he's going to beat. Um, you know, it's not going to be Tanahashi. I don't see it being Shingo Takagi, and I don't see it yet being Shota Umino or uh, you know, certainly not, you know, any of the guys who are still on excursion haven't come back yet. So there's, you know, it, it, it feels like there's a lot of options, and then when you game it out, it feels like there's really not that many. Yeah, because it is the pinnacle event. So there's, look, there's almost, he, he can have a great match. He and Zack Sabre Jr. in the main event of the Dome, I'd buy that. But do you sell a Tokyo Dome on that? Well, of course, no. Unless you put Zack Sabre Jr. You know, in such a monstrous position or anybody in a monstrous position. And who knows? They could strap a rocket to somebody or they could, you know, remix a group or do something where somebody breaks out of the pack and they're able to do it. It's just... It's doubtful looking right now down the line of anybody that's able to do that and be a stronger name than a Sonata or a Shingo or, again, really anybody in LIJ, but obviously the, the most obvious one is Naito. Uh, the nice thing about it, kind of as we talk through this, is that there doesn't – and I'm sure they have it because they always have a direction for better or worse, but on the outside, there's no clear direction – um, as to what the IWGP world title match will be. And I don't think there will be for several more months. Whereas I feel like the last few years, it's been so obvious, particularly last year, the direction they were going with Jay White and Okada, that it almost felt like you could take, you know, five, six, seven, eight months off and know what the Wrestle Kingdom main event was going to be. Uh, this at least is a welcome change from that. You mentioned Zack Sabre Jr., uh, whether he ends up winning the title or not, it would be promotional malpractice, to use a phrase that should be trademarked by people who work for this website. It would be promotional malpractice to not have Zack Sabre Jr. challenge Sonata for the IWGP world title at some point during Sonata's reign, given uh, you know that, that ZSJ is by far Sonata's best opponent. They always have really good, really interesting, really smart, unique matches. Sign me up for that at some point this year. God, then that's why I'm very bullish on a long reign from Sonata because I'm not saying you should do this, but like you could have two title matches a month, even with the same guys, you know, like every other time or something, but like you could just throw anybody in there and you're going to have a match where you can create some drama and he's so good working with everyone he's so smooth working with everyone it's just again the the possibilities i think are great for this group which is just it's such an oddly it's just an odd bunch of guys but it just shows you the charisma of if they're all standing there stone face and, and god knows desperado's got a mask on it doesn't matter they still all kind of radiate that Whoever came up with the idea for the group, and I was scratching my head about it when Suzuki Gun broke up, it's been perfect so far. It's been well, great. It's, it's worked out well for everybody. You've got the strong style group with uh, with Suzuki and Desperado aligning with Ren Narita, and then the Just Five Guys group has been fantastic. Again, I go back to Cork and Hall right before this show. Their entrance was so cool with the new music, and they each come from a different stairwell. And they all sort of join forces with a, a thumbs up. It, 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 like you said, it's this disparate group of guys that don't seem like they would all go together. Again, a lot of them were already together in Suzuki-Goon. But it's this kind of merry band of thieves that in some ways is very similar to LIJ, except that 
they actually are a, a group instead of a collection of individuals that don't really ever get involved in each other's matches. Uh, you know, there are, to your point, so many matches you could do with Sonata for the title. You've got DSJ. Obviously, they're doing Hiromu. Shingo Takagi, uh, you know, we've even coming up on one of the major shows, they're opposite each other in a tag match, and that makes you wonder. Um, almost any heavyweight with credibility uh, is a potential challenger for Sonata, and you never know when he could lose. Because, yes, while he is established by winning this, it's not like Okada where he has this aura of, He's going to hold the title, you know, for a year. That's not going to be the feeling of this reign, and I, I like that change of pace. Even like Sonata and Jeff Cobb on a smaller show, do that in Sendai or something. That would be cool. Do it in the states. You yeah, know, exactly. And, do it in Long Beach. L- let me apologize to Taichi too for you know putting Despy in the group, you know, over him you there. But always like... apologize to Taichi. <laughs> He's a great man. Well, you know, with his hair, sometimes it's gone down to a point where it's like I bet you he could make a mask out of that, but. Which, by the way, speaking of hair, remind me to uh, bring up something about Xenom when we talk about stardom. But I just, again, this, they're the, they're the, you know what they are? They're the grown up version of LIJ. It's like the LI, these are, the LIJ are their kids. In fact, they should yes. start referring to them that way, like Rocky Romero does the Volador. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, you see these guys come out, they got slacks on, you know, they got, you know, the, the jacket, the glasses, all that stuff. And they, Perfect. That's what you got is the crazy LIJ kids, and here are these mature guys coming to save New Japan. They're the they're the guys that are like at a punk show that are just slightly too old to be at a punk show, but not so old that they shouldn't be allowed in the door. Um, I don't know. That's, That's kind of the vibe Bushy I get. In the background with his hands in his pockets, just playing the wall. Yep. That's, that's yeah exactly he ain't that, gonna that's... get in the pit anymore but he wants to be there near the action he needs to feel it yeah and then like kanamaru is the guy that everyone in the pit thinks is going to be a pushover and then they're all on the ground and he's the one still standing well yeah plus you know he's probably at the bar buying people drinks yes. too and loading them <laughs> up he's not asking for id I, you know i'm not even going to say anything about that the bad influence of yoshinobu kanamaru but <laughs> i, I have no transition now Quick fashion corners, Jeremy Deemer and I do on Wrestling at Random. I'm digging the new gear, not only for Sonata, but Kanemaru with the new gear. He's getting wins left and right. He's yeah. challenging Hiromu for the junior title. Yes. We talk about all the different new things that New Japan is doing. Actually giving a little mini singles push and a title shot to Kanemaru, considering how stale the junior heavyweight division usually is. Get that guy in a title match. It'll be great, guaranteed. 46 years old. And I can't. He's lost nothing. No. He's lost nothing. And the fact that he's been able to, he comes over from Noah, and I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's worked. He had, he's had to have worked less. And I'm not saying he doesn't go all out, but you know, he's obviously slowed and he's changed up a little bit as the years have gone on. And it's like him joining New Japan, you talk about you know, how big of an impact Shingo had. It's like, Kanemaru probably extended his career. I mean, he could go until he's probably in his at least early 50s. He's not, to me, oh. he, he can't do what Mochizuki's doing, but he can do in his own way what, like, Minoru Suzuki and guys like that have done. Well, because he so rarely has to, and when he is put in a position, whether it be in the best of the Super Junior or this match that he's going to have with Hiromu, uh, he can deliver, but more often than not, he's in junior tag matches or or really more often than that you know six man or eight man or ten man matches where he's coming in hitting a few spots 
you know, spitting some whiskey and getting out and taking very little damage to where, yeah, there, there's, he's in also a guy. that go nine minutes. So, you know, exactly. how long is he really in there for? Yeah, short matches that are basically on a rail as far as what you're doing. There's nothing really that's going to go off kilter. He's, you know, fingers crossed. I say this now and he'll blow out his knee against Hiromu, but he's a guy who's largely been healthy almost his entire career. Um, and, yeah, so it's it's good to see there. Uh, a, a couple other quick hits. Just well, on, you know on, what? Or, if he does blow out his knee, guess what? Doki's having such a good year, too. Yes. I like this. I God, I like this year so far in New Japan. And Doki's got a big singles match coming up against Naito, which they built to at Corican a few weeks ago. Uh, the show on the 27th, the kind of the the sleeper show of this tour, Naito versus Doki, Akira and TJP against Kushida and Kevin Knight for the junior tag titles, and then the main event of Hiromo against Kanemaru for the junior title. This is in Hiroshima. And also on that card, Shingo and Bushi against Sonata and Taichi. So good stuff all around sort of on that show. We talked about... New Japan's got good stuff coming up. Uh, other just very quick hit thoughts on uh, Sakura Genesis. Uh, we talked at length on the last show about Mercedes Monet uh, uh, against Azumi and Hazuki in the uh, the three-way match for the IWGP Women's title, which was really going to be a de facto high-speed match, even if the high-speed title wasn't on the line. I thought all things considered, I thought she did a fantastic job. Azumi and Hazuki didn't really have to hold back. The crowd was into it. They got more than five minutes. They got 14 minutes. We got a great slap at the end from Mercedes Monet to Mayu Iwatani. I thought that entire 20 minutes or so from entrance to post-match angle worked perfectly. I thought so as well. And I didn't expect a classic because, again, I don't care how much you're working it out. Between the three, Izumi and Hazuki are obviously going to be much better against themselves than when Mercedes is in the mix against one or the other or both because of the experience of working with each other. So I, I kind of knew what this thing was going to be, and how can you complain? You know, again, I, I to me, I'm, I'm sure somebody was out there complaining. I did not see a bunch of pushback on this match. You know, we can talk about, you know, the, the slap with Iwatani at, you know, getting on her... Uh, at the stardom show, but I thought, like you mentioned, everything that was done that night for Mercedes, I, I thought worked out perfectly. Yeah, it, it accomplished everything it needed to. I think it, not that the match with Kyrie didn't already do this, but it further solidified that uh, from an in-ring perspective, like even with her relative inactivity over a long period of time, there's absolutely nothing to worry about in terms of in-ring bell-to-bell what's going to happen with Mercedes Monet for however long... Uh, this New Japan slash stardom run, you know, goes on. There's talk of negotiations for something, uh, at least one New Japan match past uh, the stardom show this weekend, uh, which, you know, you also wonder, too, if that's just to make a little bit more doubt, a little more interest in that match. So people don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Mayu Iwatani is going to win, but we'll uh, we'll get there momentarily. But, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Really, like everything from a title perspective on this show delivered ZSJ and show to Umino was an awesome for, you know, sub 14 minute sprint. We, you, you mentioned how, and we talked about it at length when it happened, show to Umino had that disastrous main event against Tetsuya Naito. He has been gold since then. And granted he's been in there with really good wrestlers, including two matches against ZSJ, both on this show and at the new Japan cup. But 
in everything I've seen so far since that Naito match, uh, the the uh, light switch seems to have flipped. Well, and it's just it, one he it, yes he had to been be, he had to be better and he's been better, but they also have now carefully put him in there with a guy. Again, that Zack Saber Jr. It's like you know putting a baby in a mother's arms. I mean. You know, we can talk about the Tom match, and I'm sure we, you know, we'll just touch on that when we touch on Philadelphia and D.C., but it's like, God, he is so great at everything, and he's been perfect for Umino, helping to get him over, even defeating him in the process, you know? So I just, I think, again, his matches with Narita and then the match, the matches with Umino now, too, I don't know... It's one of those things, like, I, I think I just want him to continue to hold the TV title because yes. all of his matches will be aired. Again, it's it's part of the international thing, being able to speak English. If you have a, a, a Tamashi show, uh, he can, you know, go to Australia, go to New Zealand. He's like... You can do ROH. You already had yes. the match on ROH with Clark Connors. I'd be shocked if we don't see him... Show up uh, in the multiverse we, or, or something? Yeah, well, or even on uh, AEW as we get closer to Forbidden Door. I'd be shocked even if it's just on a rampage if we don't get a, uh, uh, Adam, a defense there. Adam, he's coming to Brooklyn for GCW. Yes, yes, he is. I mean, look. The title needs to stay on him. He's fabulous. Again, got away from Umino there for a second, but look, it did he's done exactly what they've needed him to do since then, and they've done what they've needed to do as far as putting him into a good position where, again, he's not out there just twisting in the wind. So, again, talk about title matches. Aussie Open, Hiroki Goto, oh. Yoshihashi. We'll be talking awesome. about Aussie Open also, again, when it comes to D.C. and Philadelphia, but... Have they had a bad match as a tag team recently? No, no, and that's including like months. Recently. No, they they and that includes even last Wednesday, as we record this a week ago today, uh, in Milwaukee. I was there live at Dynamite, uh, and then we had the Rampage taping afterwards. It was a nice surprise getting an IWGP tag team title match, and they looked awesome against Best Friends. So yeah, they they continue to not only look great but improve i feel like a lot of the things that you know we talked about going back to the ftr match where that match was great but there were also some issues where it felt like they were rushing through things i feel like that is being that's kind of working itself out through all these different title reigns they're now having and in a weird way that mark davis uh, run through the new japan cup that he wasn't scheduled to have before will osprey got hurt i feel like Davis getting that little singles run over the course of a month and Fletcher too, but he didn't go as far. I feel like them coming together as back as a team since then, to me, there's a marked difference in just sort of the, uh, I don't want to say professionalism because obviously they're super professional guys, but just the professionalism in ring of how they go from thing to thing. It just feels to me like they've hit another level coming off. That is what I'm trying to say. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, again, it's it, the similar situation to Dax and cash when cash ripped his arm open. And then you had Dax as a singles there for a little bit. Yeah. Not, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but the team benefited from seeing Mark Davis out there 
you know, holding up to his end of the deal and care again, carrying the United Empire flag because nothing against Jeff Cobb. He's not going to be very verbose. Nothing against the great Ocon, great character, but is he a leader of a group right now? No. Mark Davis did a good job picking that up and carrying it since Osprey's been out. And I think, you know, and this is going to sound like a tick move, but you'll know what I mean when, like, Aussie Open is what way back when TMDK, when Hayston Nichols, like, People, what, what they, a lot of people wanted them to be way back in the day before yes. they went to WWE and all that. Like that's what Aussie Open is kind of accomplishing now. I think that's a great comparison, and it's nothing against Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols. They're no. a very good tag team, but that's what they are—a very good tag team. Whereas Aussie Open, it's a really good comparison. They were at sort of a similar level, and then they've, uh, you know, they've taken off. It's a hockey stick level curve if you're looking at a at a graph or a chart or whatever, and it doesn't seem to be uh, coming down anytime soon. Uh, also they uh, coming off Hiromu anytime soon. To tell no, you that. no. Hiromu Takahashi beats Robbie Eagles, Robbie Eagles in his TMD, uh, TMDK singles debut. Good stuff. Kind of short, only 13 and a half minutes, which I'm fine with. We didn't have anything on the show that was excessively long. Even the main event, 27 minutes for an IWGP world title match isn't crazy long. It, it, it kind of feels like we're getting back to matches being the length they should be uh, in New Japan, at least. So, yeah, great, great show. I think most people felt, and I, I'm sure you've heard a lot of people talk this way already. I think most people felt this, you know, we've had this like, well, New Japan's back now. New Japan's back. This is real New Japan. This show felt to me uh, not only like New Japan was back, but things were slotted correctly in that the you know the, the bullet club stuff was relatively segmented to a few things and it was not main event stuff you know we've got uh, house of torture way way down on the card where they should be if they're going to be here i'm still a little concerned when you look at you know what's going on with finlay and finlay recruiting uh, clark connors and then you know seemingly they've got their eyes now on gabriel kid I worry a little bit about Bullet Club getting high on the card again, particularly if, with David Finlay at the helm. Um, I guess we can transition to Philadelphia when we're talking about this. I thought, as much as I'm not a Bullet Club guy, Clark Connors needed something. Teaming with Ryusuke Taguchi with their pants down wasn't it. So <laughs> I'm fine with Clark Connors joining Bullet Club. But man, if there's anything I don't want out of professional wrestling in 2023, please... Dear God slash Gato, do not put Gabriel Kidd in Bullet Club. That guy is so good, and he will be wasted in a group like that. Gabriel Kidd needs to be in TMDK or United Empire or even just part, just waving the Lion Mark flag, just part of the home team in New Japan. Do not make him a Bullet Club guy. Do we have any young bucks in chaos? Any young bucks in chaos? Yeah, oh, like young. Any lions that have come through? Not really. I mean, I, I and also like when you look at it, it doesn't feel like there's going to be. I mean, it seems like Oiwa is is sort of pegged for Hontai. We know where Fujita is. Um, Suji. I would be shocked if whenever Suji returns, it's not him taking Lij back yes, up to five please, guys again. It's gotta be. It has to be. It has to be. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it would be interesting, too, as sort of a, a foreigner. Granted, he came through the system. You could do a lot worse than than uh, than Gabriel Kidd in chaos. I mean, it's also like chaos almost just feels like 
even more than Bullet Club or some of these other things, it just feels like a branding exercise. The old guys hanging out in the locker room. Well, it just it feels like it almost doesn't exist. Ever since a couple years ago, they started having chaos and Hontai guys teaming. Like, there's really no delineation between the two groups at this point other than just in name. You know, Chaos gets more play on AEW because of Rocky and the best friends. That yes. really does it. Oh, look, Ishii's here. He's a best friend, too. Come on, everybody. It's Chaos. It's, it's a really good point. It's almost a non-factor, an afterthought in New Japan, but it gets referenced whenever those guys... Uh, Whenever those guys come in, well, but yeah, let I me, thought... let me tie this together real quick. Bullet Club Gold. Sure. Is that something now with Juice? And because now, okay, uh, Jay White doesn't work for New Japan, but he's still going to be somewhat shackled to him, to them, at least probably through Forbidden Door. But Gold as a concept, and can you see that dripping into House of Torture, Bullet Club Purple, and Bullet Club Original, and Whatever else it's going to be. Maybe LP starts up Bullet Club Neon or something like that. <laughs> it's a weird one because clearly this was not the idea when they took Jay White out of Bullet Club, out of New Japan. Everybody thought, and I think New Japan thought he was going to WWE and that was going to be it. Clean break. Now he's in AEW. The logical thing to do is put him with Juice Robinson and play off the Bullet Club stuff. But everything that New Japan is doing around, you know, David Finlay with his hot topic dyed black beard trying to be tough and hard and recruiting killers and all this stuff. It just doesn't feel like they're trying to play into that on the New Japan side at all with this Bullet Club gold group in AEW. I I don't know. It's like I don't necessarily care about it because I'm so over anything having to do with Bullet Club. But just looking dispassionately, it's going to be one of the more interesting things from a booking standpoint as we head toward Forbidden Door in late June, how they weave all that together uh, into something coherent or they just decide to ignore it. Like if, if you're going to have David Finlay's Bullet Club on Forbidden Door and Juice Robinson and Jay White's Bullet Club Gold are going to be on there, you're going to have to explain it away uh, somehow. I just don't know how they're going to do that. And as you're talking about it, I'm thinking, you know what? If I was keeping it a buck, if we're doing talking at this time next year, is David Finley back to being a baby face in LP? If there is still a bullet club is where somebody else is leading it, it's going to be, I'm willing uh, to take the ride, but they're really going to have to do something that sells me on David Finley, badass leader of a group. You know, and I, I, and again, we've seen, especially if he's main event, David Finlay, badass leader of a group. If the idea is Bullet Club is mid card and it's David Finlay and it's Kenta and it's Taiji Ishimori and it's Clark Connors and it's whoever else. And they're, they're in the mix for the six man titles or they're in the mix for the never open weight title or Clark Connors is in the mix for the junior title. That's fine. But yeah, I it's yeah. going to take a lot to get me to 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 think, well, OK, yeah, let's put David Finlay in there in the main event of a major New Japan show for the IWGP world title. I am miles away from there. Yeah. And that's you know, that's the reason I, you know, I brought it up, because it's like, you know, you got to figure it, it, they want to do something here unless they are just going to make them again, a secondary group in in that case, boy, that doesn't help David Finley at all. It really no. doesn't because the fact of the matter is, 
look, I, I love Robbie Eagles. There's a lot of guys there I love, but like LP really outshines a lot of them. And regardless of what you think about his style or this or that or how he is, I mean, when it's time to go and it's not time to troll, he's excellent. And if he's going to be a heavyweight, which he is, you know, I, everybody better watch out because he's going to suck all the air out of the room, you know, whether I, you want him to or not. I agree. And it's taken me a long time to come around to that. But babyface, high-flying heavyweight yeah. with a little bit of an edge, El Phantasmo, is going to be the thing that's going to sneak up on a lot of people in I believe it out of him a lot ready. more than Will. You know, at first, now I believe it with Will, but like, you know, I believe yeah. it a lot more to LP walking in there than Osprey was walking in saying the same things that you were saying about, you know, LP right there, having the edge, being a little bit more of a blown up, not a blown up junior heavyweight, but making the transition up and, and leading a group and being that guy. I mean, damn, <laughs> you know, as Osprey yeah. begins to slow down, change his style, which he absolutely should. And he did his little talk where, you know, hey, I can't do the things that I used to do. And like he was talking to a mirror when he was doing that because yes, 100%. he needs, you know, hey, he needs to know it. But there is going to be that next guy who kind of takes that mantle from him, and it's LP. Yeah, I I largely agree with you. I I don't know that I see it the same way as far as uh, uh, El Fantasma and Osprey, but when I look at the, the dual things that are happening right now, which is two, there, there's two things New Japan is making a real strong effort to do. One is make David Finlay this badass, take no prisoners, scary bullet club leader. And the other is make El Phantasmo this kind of jokey but likable, high flying heavyweight who could be a guy. I far more am buying that, what they're doing with El Phantasmo, than I am with. Uh, with David Finlay. And part of his Finlay is just, we've talked about before. He's just, he's, he's damned by where he's been for so long, where he's been in the pecking order. And then he also, in it, like you put that guy in impact and it's like, Oh, he's top two, three in the company. Yeah. But in new Japan, like he's just a slightly above average wrestler in a company full of great wrestlers. And I just, you know, I don't buy him any more than like, Never open weight, uh, U.S. title level at most. Like anything beyond that to me is just a stretch, whether it be his booking before, his ability, his size, uh, his talking. It's all pretty good, but I just don't think pretty good is enough. The, and, you know, I, I don't have much to say about Philadelphia or D.C., but, you know, the match with A.R. Fox, you know, it was good. But it's like, you know, like the 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 focus is still on Juice Robinson, you know, yeah. wearing the colors and being, you know, and running the the deal with Fred Rosser that they had going on. But the only thing, you know, obviously Mark Davis, Kyle Fletcher against the machine guns and Okada and Tanahashi was awesome. Sucks. I thought the match against Leo Rush and Ishii was even better. Well, that's I where I was that going. Was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, Tanahashi hurting his rib. I mean, if there was any benefit, if there's always a silver lining in everything, kids, no matter, even if you have to look hard <laughs> for it. But in this case, we got Leo Rush and Ishii against Aussie Open, and it was like you didn't. The result was never in doubt, but it was such a damn good match. Well, it was also another indicator of, and it'll never happen. Um, but why weight limits in modern? Japanese professional wrestling are ridiculous in that it's 
And I know Leo Rush is a small junior heavyweight, but still, Leo Rush teaming with with Ishii against Aussie Open, I want to live in a world where I'm not believing, or I'm not going in thinking, well, Leo Rush absolutely is going to be the one to drop the fall because he's a junior heavyweight. When you've got Sonata as the IWGP world champion, and Sonata is the same size as some junior heavyweights on the roster, or you look at... <laughs> Wait, Leo Rush, I think, is taller than Ishii. <laughs> it's, it's not much difference. It's not much difference. There, there are very few true heavyweights in professional wrestling at this point, particularly in Japan. So when you look at a match like this, like, I'm all for it. I know Kevin Kelly, you know, he shouts from the from the rooftops about this, and I'm sure he knows it won't happen either, but I want to live in an open-weight world in New Japan Pro Wrestling where, um, you know, guys like Hiromu Takahashi or Robbie Eagles or Taiji Ishimori uh, you know, or go on down the line, are every bit as believable beating a heavyweight on any given night as anyone else. We're not there yet. I don't know that we'll ever be. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the U.S. shows are a nice little window uh, into what could be. Uh, the only other match that I just I just thought was fantastic and it's worth at least pointing out that, hey, this was fantastic, was ZSJ and Tom Lawler. I don't have in front of me how long it went. It couldn't have been more. Well, obviously, it couldn't have been more than 15 minutes, but I doubt it was more than... 10, 12 minutes, but the combination of great mat work and lightning speed, you don't see that out of too many guys. I, I doubt there's many more than these two guys that would be capable of doing a match like that. It was awesome. And still with some comedy. They're great. <laughs> yes. They're great together. I, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what what you know what the plans are for filthy, but man, you know, laying out Bad dude Tito with that knee the next night. That was nice to see. You know, Royce Isaacs, Jarrell Nelson, Filthy all getting a win over TMDK. I thought that was cool. But, you know, the only thing other match I'll mention is Alex Coughlin and Tracy Williams that, I mean, it was a pure rules match. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But, I mean, Tracy Williams is great doing that sort of thing. And Alex Coughlin's really good. And I just thought that that was... You know, as good of an opener as Despy and Volador against Delirious and Kevin Knight was, I thought that ROH Pure Rules match was a nice touch. It definitely was, and it was a great setup to Coglin getting a shot, I assume, on ROH TV at some point, unless they're going to do it um, in Long Beach, but there's no real desire, apparently, seemingly, to have Shibata wrestle in a New Japan ring while he's under contract in New Japan. No. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Uh, but it's a it's a good way to set that up. So yeah, fun couple of shows. I mean, nothing that's yeah, I, I, nothing that I think will be at the top of people's list at the end of the year. But some really good stuff to watch. And if anything, given that it, it shows how good this year's already been, that some legit great stuff like uh, like Aussie Open against Leo Rush and Tomohiro Ishii and Zack Saber Jr. against Tom Lawler probably won't be on anyone's list just because the sheer volume of great matches. That's stuff that'll be forgotten, but probably shouldn't be. And who's going to have a lot of great matches at the top of the list? Probably Stardom. And we'll use that as the transition because, you know, why not? We're running out of time and we got to talk about Stardom. And the All-Star Grand Queendom coming up. We have Mirai winning back-to-back uh, Cinderella's. I'm going to say Grand Prix, but back-to-back Cinderella's. You had also on that show, you had Himeka's last DDM match and last one in Yokohama, as they, they mentioned as part of the advertising as well. And then you had Mina Shirakawa dissolving Club Venus away from, from Cosmic Angel. She poaches Wakatsukiyama. And then Sayori Anyo 
comes in where everybody is crying. They're disheveled. Adam, I'm sure you were crying on your knees like Natsapoy. They're trying to wish that you were coming through the computer screen and, and trying to just offer some some support to poor Tam. And in walks Seoriano, and how happy were you? You had to be just as happy as they were to see her walk in and become a member of Cosmic Angels. I was I was thrilled. Another wrestler that uh, that I've been singing the praises of for quite a while in Sariano. And it's it's I'm so excited for so many reasons for her to come in. First off, it's going to be great. Just the mix with her for however long it lasts uh, with her, Tam and Natsupoy. Um, I don't know if this is where they're going, but her demeanor when he came, when she came into the ring and was uh, was consoling Tam came off to me like, yes, I'm here to help you but I'm also here to lead you. And so I'll be interested to see coming out of whatever happens. There was a cold motherly part to her, wasn't there? There was, there was something about that that led me to believe that we're going to see something more uh, down the line with that. Um, I'm also super excited to see her in stardom and who knows if it's full time or not, because we still see her booked um, on other shows for other promotions. But We've talked time and time and time again about whether it be relatively unheralded wrestlers like my Sakurai or wrestlers that have a following but haven't really gotten all that good yet like Mina Shirakawa or wrestlers that were just underutilized and were never going to get to the top in the promotion they were in even though they were pretty young like Mirai. I'm so excited to see Saori Ano, if she's on a lot of stardom shows, see how good she can get. We've talked time and time again. Everybody that goes to stardom levels up considerably once they're there for a while. Uh, It's almost without fail. And Sariano does some things really well. There's other things she does in the ring that look kind of clunky. But I am 100% convinced that if she's there for the long haul and she's on a lot of shows and she's wrestling these people time and time and time again, I think she's going to get to a level that will surprise a lot of people. No one thought Mina Shirakawa was going to become a legitimately great professional wrestler. That's what she's done. I would almost be surprised if we don't see uh, Saoriano hit a very, very high level in stardom beyond whatever cool storyline stuff they're going to have with her. I think she's uh, also beaten Julia without Julia beating her. So, again... another one in the list for uh, for a future shot. Yeah, so... You know, <laughs> again, I I was wondering what they were going to do. I still wonder what they're going to do with Donna Del Mondo, too, because if you look at you talk about the part timers, I mean, essentially, that's what helps to kind of make up colors. And I wonder what they are going to do, because you are down a couple of you watched a Wado tie and uh, um, Queen's Quest who are at full force right now. Now you're down to what really three full timers when it comes to cosmic angels and three, when it comes to, to DDM, right? Well, then you've got, I mean, they, they are teasing something with DDM having a new member that Julia has someone yes, coming in yeah. and it, it appears as though there will be an ice ribbon, an X ice ribbon component to that as well. While nothing's confirmed, but yeah, whether it be uh, someone from the outside coming in, like it looks like it's going to happen or, you know, we've got the influx of rookies or new people, uh, whether it be uh, Aya Sakura or uh, Hanako that have both debuted. There's the other one that's about to debut as well, and we've got more coming down the line. You'd have to figure at least one of those will filter their way into DDM. The other thing with, with Donna Del Mondo that I also wonder is with this uh, 
sort of high society looking down on the commoners and peasants character that uh, uh, that my Sakurai has as she continues to level up and move you know toward at least the upper mid card, if not the main events. That character almost is starting to come off to me like someone who's going to be leading a group rather than being in the background of a group. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that could very well be the case. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I will Wakasukiyama joining Club Venus because I was thinking as the match was going on earlier with Venus, with Mariah May, Jesse and Xena against Kaguma, Momo and, and Hazuki, it's like there's the, everybody's a foreigner with the exception of uh, of uh as i brainlock well, here Mina i mean Shikawa Shikawa. And waka, yeah but it was like so i wonder what they're going to do there if they're going to do anything there and then waka at the end it was like you know this makes perfect sense to me at least visually this makes sense with them glamming her up and all I just to me, if you were going to put anybody, any of the youngsters into that group, or any of the you know newer people like you know ladies, whoever, that was perfect to me. You know, put my Sakurai in that that doesn't work. Put you know whoever in that that's not. Well, they tease earlier on. They tease Momo Kogo, and then you know sort of that that idea, and she, you know she. Again, took the L as she often does for stars, and then Mariah May got on the mic and sort of berated her and said she was worthless. You got no so, boobs. You're weak. Yeah, basically, that's literally what she said. <laughs> you're a loser. And Momo was, I am not a loser. She was pissed. She was upset. Yes, in English. I, I, and I'm hyped for that. I, I've been wanting to see. It's sort of like Momo Kogo's story of being whatever she's going to be beyond just someone who loses a lot. Um, it's kind of been on the back burner while they told the same story in you know in bold and larger font with Wakasukiyama. <laughs> I'm now interested to see where they go with Momokogo because I still also think there was, to me, it felt like there was a little bit of tension that they had been building with with Mayu Iwatani and her several months ago that kind of has been again on the back burner. But uh, you'd have to think they've got something in the plans uh, for her going forward as well. I'll just keep it there for a second in that match and use this as the time to say Xena has got to figure out something with her hair because she turns I'll let into Mike like, be the one that says that. Well, I mean, cause she turns into like cousin it. It's like, it's in her. She keeps having to move it away. It's just, there's got to be a way where it's got to be more comfortable for her. Cause it looks <laughs> like she can't even see the way she's messing with it. It's like, Oh, but Mariah May, I know I hyped it up the last time. Her in the group is fantastic. I don't know about Jesse Kamea yet. When you, I don't know about Jesse and Zena. It's a long. It feels like Zena is is fine. Jesse, I think there's that's a longer term thing as far as if she's going to be at the level wrestling wise to be able to keep up. Like her as the muscle of the group, it it, it works visually. Um, but yeah, there's that. That's but, a. But we already have Zena. I I didn't. I I just that was you know because I knew she was there, but I don't think I'd seen her, and it was like uh, I I don't know about it. I I, I don't know. But then again, 
Yeah, and I think in a five-person group, though, you know, there's more you can do with her and Xena as they get better, you know, working over there. Mariah May never has to get any better right now, although she will working there because her personality is so over-the-top, and she's so over-the-top, and she's so much different than everybody else right now that's there. She stands out. So, I mean, she is perfect. By the way, if I ever said anything negative about 7-Up, and of course I would never have done that, I am sorry. I lied. You and Nane Takahashi are my favorite tag team of all time. Not meaning Adam Summers and Nane Takahashi as a tag team, but you, the wrestler. And <laughs> yes, I thought no, they're fan- they were they're fantastic. They've again, I was and I think part of it was just the uh, the meltier bias that I have. I was was bitter that they won the titles from them. But no, they've been I, I put too much Jazzy Gabert on them with that group coming in. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a big element uh, of that of that as well. It'll be interesting to see how long for the world, uh, or at least the world of stardom, they are uh, as a group. But yeah, the the Cinderella tournament again as a pay per view. Yes, this drew like half of what it drew last year in terms of the people in the building. Don't know how fair of a comparison that is because last year's show had title matches on it. This did not. You also had. Uh, four wrestlers who are all sort of at varying levels of popularity. My, uh, Mariah probably the closest to the main event level, but none of them are what you consider uh, pillars of stardom by any stretch. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily look at this and have expected it to draw a huge crowd. Uh, it is interesting that it basically drew the same number of people as the Corican show the night before, which was main evented or which had uh, Izumi versus Saki Kashima, uh, among other things, on the show. Um, but yeah, it sets the table. Uh, as far as Cinderella tournament final, like obviously I'm a huge fan of Mariah, so I'm very much okay with her winning the title or winning the tournament. I just, you know, she she didn't really say which title she's going to challenge for, and it's one of those deals where it's like, to me, the next time she's challenging for a major singles championship, she needs to win it. But I don't necessarily see her winning the IWGP Women's title for sure. I don't see her winning the red belt yet. I guess the argument that you can make as we transition into talking about uh, All-Star Grand Queendom is that if Saya Kamatani doesn't drop the title to Mina Shirakawa, and I know most of us are hoping that Shirakawa will win the title to quote-unquote finish the story that was started when her face was destroyed by Kamatani inadvertently, there's a part of me that thinks Kamatani is going to win that match and then drop the title to Mirai. Uh, well... I mean, isn't wouldn't the high speed title be the most in peril? On yeah, paper? I just can't. It it would be, but I just don't see her going after that belt. I don't see that 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 being where they put her. Oh well, yeah, I guess you don't go through that and then have her go back to back and then yeah. I mean, I you're right. They probably do need a much better, stronger plan, even if she loses that first. And she title may match. have. She may have, like, I'm forgetting here as I'm looking at the lineup of All-Star Grand Queendom. There's a good chance that she's coming out of that show on the 23rd as one half of the tag team champions with Amisore as they take on 7-Up. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that's possible, too. That's possible, too. So, I guess, you know, I'm still upset Saida didn't body slam uh, you. I really wanted <laughs> to see that. I really thought they were going to go in that direction. I really want to see that on an aircraft carrier. That- <laughs> You know, that was a that was an example of during that match where it's like they're doing too many spots. 
where and some of them are great, like the drop down roll out of the ring instead of the dive yeah. out. I mean, I think I love that, but it was like just do big man, little man spots. Like there are some things here where it's like, you're getting too cute with it. This match could be a little bit better, I think in a different way, but I thought the whole, again, I thought the show was good. I didn't even think about the attendance because on paper too. Yeah. I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot where I think unless you're a big fan of the tournament or a big fan of Himeka really too. I mean, those were the biggest selling points of the show. Yeah. And a hundred percent. And those selling points are in between bigger selling points for the same thing. Like whoever wins this tournament and end up being Mariah is obviously going to have a bigger match down the line. And while Hameka's uh, last DDM match was, you know, it was the main event. It was one of the selling points, maybe the selling point of this show in less than a week's time in basically the same area, she's going to be having her retirement match, quote unquote. So it's, I think the show was, Attendance-wise or interest-wise, it was hurt by not having title matches on it, and it was also hurt by just where it is on the calendar. This all-star Grand Queendom show, it's going to be incredible, but it sucked up all the air in the room for the first quarter of 2023. Like, I'm super excited for this. Like, this is my WrestleMania, but in a weird way, like, I'll be thrilled to watch it. It's going to be incredible. There are going to be multiple matches that are going to blow us away. I'm also going to be excited to have it in the rearview mirror because I think from that point forward, you're not going to have as many matches, title matches, tournaments, whatever, that feel like either foregone conclusions, afterthoughts, or both. Do you think Mercedes Monet, I don't, do you think she's worth the investment or do you, do you, uh, this is, and obviously you have nothing really to kind of go on here. Do you believe that stardom in new Japan, because they're paying for that for her, you know, do you think them together, she's worth whatever they're spending on her to be involved in stardom. And this is nothing against her. It's not a referendum on her or anything like that. But when it comes down to the dollar, you go, okay, she had a nice little run here. Cool. Great, you know, if she lost the the title to Iwatani and you didn't see her again, you think that would be okay, or do you think that they really do need her and especially need her for Forbidden Door? I mean, I think that's the that's the thing. If somehow between AEW, New Japan, and Stardom, if it's worked out that she can be on Forbidden Door, then absolutely it's worth the investment. I mean, from an in ring perspective, you know, and, and there have been hints of this. I would hate to see this run end without getting Mercedes Monet against Julia just for the yeah. entrances and stare downs alone. Um, but it's, it's such a hard question to answer because I mean, we really have no idea in terms of the financials. I mean, there are the rumors of what she was making, you know, Jericho level money, if not more than those were batted down somewhat. Um, but we don't really know how, what this has done as far as moving pay-per-view numbers uh, or, or New Japan World subscriptions for New Japan, or pay-per-view numbers for the one U.S. pay-per-view that she was on. Um, you know, if numbers come out from uh, All-Star Grand Queendom uh, as far as pay-per-view, and they're significantly higher than other, you know, major stardom show pay-per-views, um, you know, that would be a telling thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, best-case scenario, it would be great to have her around. Uh, you know, obviously this show have her on Dominion and then have her on Forbidden Door. And, you know, then you kind of go from there. That would feel that would feel more like there weren't things being left on the table than it would if she was going to be gone, you know, after this match with Mayu Yotani. Is Julia not being on Forbidden Door promotional malpractice? 
I would say so. I mean, to me, not finding a way, and I understand because Stardom runs a million shows, and I believe they've got a, a major show that weekend, so I don't think it's overly likely. Yeah. But not finding a way somehow to get Stardom wrestlers more involved on Forbidden Door or slash in the whole Forbidden Door of professional wrestling right now, as someone on the outside who is not involved with the logistics of that in any way, shape, or form, it is sad to see because we see the likes of Miyu Yamashita, uh, Maki Ito, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, you know, mixing up in AEW, and I like all of them. But, man, I could think of 10, 15 people in stardom that would be even better and more exciting and I think more impressive to the American audiences than those wrestlers, if that ever had the chance to happen. But, you know, maybe even just from scheduling, if nothing else, it doesn't seem all that likely. Marina Yamashita followed me on Twitter. I got so excited. There you go. There you go. She will actually, I believe she'll be coming to Chicago soon. She uh, love her. God, she's great. Oh man. Uh, and again, a style that is not universal and, and no. will limit uh, her, her appearances at places. But man, uh, she ain't limited me because I like going to GCW shows and I, I think she's fantastic. I, she's so unique. She is. Is she the is it insulting to call somebody the the female? Um, nah, I can't really do that. Uh, yeah, I don't want to insult anybody, but she's amazing. No, she's yeah, and super unique, and uh, yeah, I, I believe there's like a six seven show run of GCW, which I think they're going to be out by you in Atlantic City, and I know, uh, I believe sometime in June coming to Chicago as well, um, that she will be on those shows, meeting uh, Rena Yamashita. So yeah, you know what June? Yeah, she look, she's the female June Kasai. Yeah, I mean they're they're very similar in terms of obviously the type of matches they do, but the type of charisma yes, that they have that's that what it is <laughs> that elevates what they do beyond most people that do a similar style, and also allows them to pull back and not do that style from time to time, and almost be more valuable uh, in a different way when they pull away from that, uh, you know, momentarily, while still keeping that their their bread and butter. You know, I, I, Mercedes Monet and Julia is a match that I think you need to do. I also wonder if it's better on paper than it actually is going to turn out to be, but we got to get through Julia and, and, and Tam first and, and Mercedes and Mayu. And well, I mean, what do you think? You know, when it gets right down to it, I'm taking Mayu. And I'm taking Julia, and I'll go ahead and take Mina Shirakawa in the middle of that as well, too. But, you know, I, I'm sure it can go either way, especially when it comes to Mercedes and Mayu. That's the thing, honestly, you, know, you just lay out those three matches that I'm most excited about this show. Other than just that top to bottom, it's an incredible card, is that the top three matches, really the top four matches, they're all huge singles matches. And I have no idea... Who is going to win any of these matches? You throw uh, Shuri against Shihiro Hashimoto in that mix as I well. I love that. They are all matches that you can just as easily see and make arguments for one person winning over the other. Shuri against Hashimoto, it's, you know, in some ways, particularly with, with Shuri not having the title right now, I think it's likely she will lose to Hashimoto and we'll see Hashimoto get a red or white belt title shot at some point down the line. Um, but yeah, Mercedes Monet and Mayu Iwatani, to me, it's all down to, and I don't think this is like breaking any news by saying this, it's all down to if Mercedes is resigning or not. 
if she is resigning, she wins. If she's not, you're not going to have a better person uh, in this spot to beat her and become the IWGP Women's Champion and take the belt to the U.S., take the belt wherever, than Mayu Iwatani. So it's like a lot of these matches on this show, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I think so as well, too. And I think, you know, Mercedes, she doesn't need to have the belt because you can put her in quote-unquote dream matches with almost anybody. But then again, when you have the nature of the IWGP women's title, it's like, again, it can be it can be on her and you can still do those matches. When it comes to Mayu, obviously, you know, for the Stardom fans that have been Stardom fans, they love her. So you put the title on her. You're going to get great matches. People are already familiar with Japanese wrestling. It's a no-brainer. It's just then when you do have the quote-unquote big match, you know, who does she face where it just doesn't feel like, you know, a stardom match. And that's nothing against it. But again, if you want to do something different with the IWGP title, you do want to see outsiders. I do want it to see a little, be a little different somehow. So either way, both of them can pull it off. Mina Shirakawa... Kamatani's got to lose that title at some point. This only makes sense with the fact that Shirakawa is a believable wrestler at this point. Does anybody believe if one to one that oh she faces Julia or if she faces even Mercedes or Mayu, she can beat that? No, not in the kayfabe world. You probably shouldn't think that yet. But step one to getting there is winning the Wonder of Stardom title. Ending a long reign from Kamatani, her taking that belt, showing her new unit that, see, I am the queen of Venus here, and I can take you all to the promised land. So it just seems like the right time for this to happen. The same way I think it's the right time for Hashimoto to get a victory, and why not be Shuri? I, I think you could do something there where you could come back with it, where you don't hurt her, Shuri by having her lose to Hashimoto. I just don't see that Again, I don't see that. She's being so the made. Case. She's yeah. sure he's completely made at this point to where it doesn't hurt her. And you have to think that, you know, sure. He had the long title reign. They never did this match. They're doing this yeah. match when she isn't champion for a reason. I would imagine that would be for Chihiro Hashimoto to lose or to win. I should say for sure to lose. Maybe I'll be wrong with that. Uh, Kamatani and Shirakawa to me is one of the most fascinating matches from a, a booking perspective that we've seen in stardom or maybe even any other company in Japan in a long time, because Obviously, the idea of Saya Kamatani is to have this long, epic, uh, record-breaking reign, and who's going to finally defeat her? That reign and that plan for Saya Kamatani far predates the match where Kamatani beat Shirakawa, that, uh, that Phoenix Splash gone awry, destroys Shirakawa's face, and coming out of that, Shirakawa becomes so much bigger of a star, and there's the built-in story for Shirakawa to get a rematch get revenge, and win the championship. Like, there is no better story that they could tell to end this reign and, and uh, have a title change than Shirakawa winning. But I'm pretty sure that wasn't the initial idea behind this title reign. And so, to me, how this match goes will be a real window into Rossi Ogawa as a booker. Does he stick with whatever the initial plan was, or does he go with this thing that has fallen into his lap, not only in terms of the story, but Shirakawa just exploding into being this great professional wrestler, like you said, leading her own stable that's becoming you know, a real thing in stardom at this point. To me, the right answer is clearly Mina Shirakawa winning. I just don't know if that's what they're going to do. Be interesting to see what Mina Shirakawa's... Well, I guess it makes it pretty obvious what her first match would be. It would probably be against 
Nakano if if she, you know and again assuming Tam comes up short against Julia you know you could do that with the way that things left with even though she you know said she was sorry and goodbye or whatever it was yeah. it, but you know you could easily do that and you know if, if Hashimoto defeats Suri do you have her face Kamatani as you know another block now that you've lost and Look, and again, this Imagine is Imagine the be visual a... of Hashimoto and Mina Shirakawa. How cool would that be? Well, as, and I was thinking more match. I was thinking more <laughs> along the lines of you know, Hashimoto and Kamatani first, but yeah, I mean that would yeah. be very interesting. And it's also interesting to see if Sare I, I don't I don't yeah. maybe she's announced plans and I've missed it or something like that, but like again, her assimilating into this mix at least part time man again it just adds another layer of depth and another layer of experience where she can kick you know julia in the face and take one back just as fast as she could probably help lead mina shirakawa along you know with the experience level and have a really good match that on paper if you just threw the two names out there you would wonder you just kind of shrug and go will it be good i bet you it would probably be really good so I don't know. I, 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 the more the the Queendom show, again from top to bottom is really, really good. I'm probably skip the Rumble. You know, you know, no time for that. But you know, with the Fuachan thing in the, you know, that again, people, you know, that's gotten over. People like that. You have obviously Himeka retiring. You have all the title matches that are all going to be good. A, a grudge, you know, a, a grudge match essentially with Yuri and Chir- in Hashimoto. So I, this entire show I love. And I don't know now that we'll see. I would like to see those six woman titles or see the artists of stardom titles stay on the prominence ladies. Yeah, it's it's weird because you've got them wrestling two-thirds of what now is Cosmic Angels. Kyrie isn't a part of Cosmic Angels, um, and she's taking non-stardom bookings in Japan right now. She's wrestling Unagi Sayaka on Kobashi's next Fortune Dream show uh, in a couple months, so I kind of would be surprised to see the uh, uh, the titles change there. Um, going back to um, just Shirakawa and Kamatani uh, for a second and kind of everything that you're mentioning around that and Saray, you talked about, well, if Mayu Iwatani wins the IWGP world title, well, what do you do as far as a big match that feels bigger than just a normal stardom match? Mayu Iwatani finally having her singles match against Saray and it being for the IWGP women's title, you could do a lot worse than that. There are far worse matches than that, yes. <laughs> so that's it's a, it's a, a, a great option there. Also, before I, I sort of give my prediction on Julia versus Tam Nakano, I don't want to leave out what I think is the sleeper of this show and should be an absolutely incredible high-speed tag team match. It's Starlight Kid I knew you were going the, there. <laughs> teaming with the former Meiho Shizuki, now known as May Sarah, which I believe is her married name after she took some time off after getting married. It's Starlight Kid and the former Meiho Shizuki against Azumi and May Saruga. Oh my God, I am hyped for this. We saw Azumi and May Saruga have an awesome high speed title match last year. I am salivating over the sequences that we're going to see probably to start this match between Starlight Kid and May Saruga. High speed to the max. Yeah, that was flashing like Phantasmo's jacket for me and neon <laughs> theirs. But hey, this is the Adam special right here. He's yes. going to love this. You know, yes. Fuachan, though. 
you know, you could have gotten Saeed on this card there somewhere. I mean, that's the only yeah. problem I have with all of this. I assume maybe uh, either Saeeda or her super strong machine alter ego will will have a prominent role, maybe even winning uh, the Yokohama Rumble to start off the show. <laughs> Hopefully without uh, Kikutaro uh, involvement this time. I, I could certainly do without that. But yes, the main event of this show, the craziest feud in professional wrestling right now. For my money, the best feud of wrestling over the last three years. Julia, Tam Nakano... There's a great video that I believe Stardom's English language Twitter posted on the 12th, and they just retweeted it yesterday as we record this. Go back through the tweets and find it. It is an incredible video building up the years of hatred between Julia and Tam Nakano. I have seen a lot of people, and again, I am with all you people who are feeling what I'm about to say. I have seen a lot of people say, this is Tam Nakano's match. She's going to beat Julia. She's going to finally win the red belt. I'm hoping that's the case. I'm wishing that's the case. I do not think that's going to be the case, particularly when you look at, and yes, they've had matches since then, but their last big, 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 big match, the feud ender at the time before the feud continued, was Tam Nakano beating Julia in the hair versus hair match. Julia getting her head shaved, having to go through many different phases, including GI Julia and the Alicaba Julia. I think this is going to be Julia's moment to beat Tam Nakano. And in the back of my mind, all the stuff they're doing with Tam Nakano feels like they're tying up loose ends. I'm just hoping against hope that we're not heading towards a Tam Nakano retirement tour. Oh, God, don't say that. No, I mean, I'd love... They hinted at it. She's hinted at it for the last few years. Don't retire, Tam, please. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Don't, I don't want to think about that. I want to see this match again in December. Okay, do it again there. But I agree. I think Julia is going to win. And, you know, when Tam was cutting her hair, it's like, you know what? Cutting it off the side there. I know Julia's going to do. She's going to shave that side and it's still going to look good. She looks good in everything. She, her hair... You talk about Noam Dar on Observer Live. Like, no matter what hair he has, it's always bad. You could have Julia do anything, and it's a badass haircut, even they when she's have. bald. <laughs> yes. They, we, we're pretty much at that point where they they have done everything, and still, she, no matter what, looks like she can kick your ass. That's like Tom's hair, except in a different way, where it's like, whatever hairstyle Filthy has, it's like, well, yeah, yeah it's filthy. <laughs> This The one thing that I think is guaranteed about this match is that it is going to be terrifying. The build-up oh. to this, the, the post-match brawls, the headbutts, the hematomas. Stop with the headbutts. Jesus Christ. Oh, the headbutts. She will not stop. I know. Um, I know. It's, you know. it's like Allen Iverson can't stop him, can only hope to contain him. That's <laughs> Julia with the headbutts. It is what it is. Um, I, I, I can't remember a match in recent history that I've looked forward to more than this and that I'm also like... Just very hesitant about, but excited about, which is what pro wrestling is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. You're supposed to be a little bit scared. It's supposed to be wild. This is going to be all those things. And then some, like I said, this show is my WrestleMania. I cannot wait. <laughs> Where's Dustin? They're flinging ladies off the of stages. Because you know that's going to happen too. It is going to be nuts. It's yeah. going to be. I mean, the press conferences have been nuts. They've drawn blood there in hematomas. I wish they would stop that, but I hope they don't stop wrestling because that part of it is going to be awesome. Oh, by the way, you know what? As bad as that spot was, a really stupid spot was the jump off of the lighting rig. 
uh, by it was oh god who was it because it was Mayu's who wasn't bad but who was the other one in that six in that six woman I can't remember I know what you're talking about I can't remember oh who did my it. god it was she, she you know it was one of those you know gainers where you you weren't looking and you just had to fling off and it was legs were dangerously close to the the it just was not good and hit the ground you know barely without anybody catching her but also Ruaka and Utami and I've seen this too much. Utami went for like a tilt to whirl head scissors and Ruaka, you know, held on to her, bashed her into the buckle and then dropped her. And it's like, I've seen there, I don't know what's going on with body slams, but like everybody like get your hand underneath the person's neck as you're guiding them down, unless you're throwing them where it's going to be a flat pack. She just dropped her and it was like, ah, <laughs> cause it's like, you know, you know, and granted for anybody, it would have made that sound, but it's like, that was high Sheeta. Like, don't, Oh man. It was just one of those things where, and I've seen it more and more where it's like, man, people are getting lazy with this. Stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was definitely a hold your breath moment for sure. Um, Guess we should hold our breath before we hit stop. The show is just about over. A few quick things just to mention as far as other things worth watching. Nakajima and Jake Lee from Pro Wrestling's Noah show this past weekend. Really good. Yeah. T-Hawk versus Kaito Ishida from Glate's April 12th show. Really good, although like the no-selling even for me got a little bit crazy <laughs> towards the end. Just some like when it's a superplex and you're not even like getting up and doing like an Ishii fighting spirit thing. It's just like you're up um, that that took me out of it a little bit. And then there have been a few good things here or there so far on the champion carnival uh, tournament for all Japan. Nothing blow away. Uh, and Kento Miyahara, Yume Aoyagi from the opening night was great. I don't know why they ran opposite Sakura Genesis and only drew a few hundred people at Corican Hall. That was a bad idea. Uh, but outside of that, nothing really mind-blowing yet in the tournament. Hopefully it gets going as as we move along. Yeah, you know, Jake Lee and Nakajima was, we'll save it for a different day, probably Lee's next title defense, but I thought they did a really good job. I thought he held up his end of the deal, and Nakajima is a guy that if he wants to, he can guzzle you up very easily. Yes. He can hurt you, and he didn't. And everything he laid in, Lee was able to take. I thought I thought there was a really good balance there. They kind of sacrificed a little of Lee's personality, but frankly, that was a good thing considering who he was in there with. So I thought that was a really good match. That's one of those ones where I, you know, I can't really say for the rest of the card the national title match was all right, but you know, I gotta see the rest of the card. It was fine. It was fine, yeah, exactly. But I was so. surprised that uh, that Jack Morris didn't win the national title. Um, but, yeah, no, Jake Lee Nakajima was very good. Crowd was okay. It was 1,300 people. That, as far as the people that were there, they were energetic. It's yes. one of the things you forget that now that cheering crowds are back, outside of Tokyo and Osaka, Sendai crowds for you know big shows might be the best. This was in the new Zebio Arena we've seen in Sendai Sun Plaza Hall. Just before the pandemic, some really vocal New Japan crowds. Uh, underrated city for pro wrestling. Like Baltimore used to be. They never talked yes. about Baltimore. Actually, they, they, of course, uh, making fun because everybody talked about Baltimore and you've lived in another city. People are like, what the hell is so much a big deal about Baltimore? <laughs> Battleground, everybody. That's It's just, it was what it was. But this show is now what it was because we got to get out of here. Yes, we do. Let's close it out by mentioning 
the other things that each of us have going on. Wrestling at Random, the podcast that I do each and every week with our close longtime personal friend Jeremy Deemer. Uh, you can still go back and get season four is over, but if you've never listened to the show or you haven't listened to everything, if you go to wrestlingatrandom.com, there are four full seasons of free shows available. Uh, that's at least 30 episodes a season. So there are 120 episodes of that show where we review randomly chosen wrestling events, uh, talk about them, review them. You can go to wrestlingatrandom.com or search wrestling at random, wherever you get your podcasts and all those free shows are available. However, during the break between season four and season five, we continue doing new shows each and every week at patreon.com slash wrestling at random. You can support the show there. And the most recent show, the show that went up last Thursday, was a listener request, as most shows are these days over on the Patreon. It was a review of IWA Japan King of the Death match from <laughs> 1995, uh, main evented by the finals of the tournament. Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. There's Tiger Jeet Singh content. Uh, there's uh, the Iceman. A bunch of random wacky stuff on that show. One of the more legendary and pivotal shows, I think, for wrestling fandom, tape traders. Uh, you know, that uh, Super J Cup 94 in a completely different way. It's sort of on the pantheon of legendary shows. So we review that there. Uh, you can check that out. Patreon.com slash wrestling at random. Hopefully you didn't hear the big cough I had earlier in the show because that means we cut that out. But I was a little uh, bit under the weather last week, so I did not finish off the newest edition of the Mid-Atlantic Championship podcast. But that is going to be up uh, within days of you hearing this in the Patreon uh, section of the Mid-Atlantic Championship podcast universe. Uh, I, I got to give it to them first, and I'll be putting it out for the masses. You can go to Mid-Atlantic Pod or wherever you find your favorite podcasts and sign up for that and start going through the archives. Get yourself caught up so when the new one comes out, you will be ready for it. Also, if you wanted to support me, get some cool little extras, join up to the Patreon Mid-Atlantic Podcast. You can find it there. The another Patreon because you love throwing your money. Pay the one, pay the ten. Join Black Wrestling uh, Patreon, BlackWrestling.com. My friends over there. We just did a Bulls in the China shop. Myself, Vin Forte, the homie Cal. So that was fantastic. That's going to be up on again through Patreon there and up on. I don't think on YouTube. I think they pretty much banned us off of there. So you may have to go to the Vimeo link. I think that's what we got for you. But you can go ahead Patreon Black Wrestling. You can find them there. And then obviously every day with Brian Alvarez, whether I want to do it or not, Monday through Friday, <laughs> 3 p.m. Eastern time. There might be. Are we still on? There I'm might be the some vapid conversation that takes place. There may be a straw man argument that drives me nuts. It may just be Brian being Brian, knowing he can push my buttons and get me all fired up. You don't, you never know. Or maybe it's I, just a, a nice conversation with a, a friendly chap like Aaron Stevens. You never know what could happen on that show. I don't recommend a drinking game. That's what I'll say. <laughs> It is true there, but I think that's pretty much everything I have going on besides, of course, the wrestling news, which you can find every single day. No conjecture, no bias, no rumors, no nonsense. Get what you need to know about the world of wrestling within 5 to 15 minutes every single day. News from across the world, news that you need to know that gets you to your job, to work, to your next favorite podcast, which is going to talk about things a lot more in depth, 
That's what I'm there to provide for you, the wrestlingnews.com, Wrestling News AV on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Love doing it. Hope you enjoy it, too. Absolutely. And the Wrestling News, all those are great, but the Wrestling News, uh, always say it. But if you aren't subscribed to that, if you aren't checking that out, it is the best way to keep up with Wrestling News, as is the name of the podcast, without dealing with the frustration of Twitter, without having to hear a million opinions that you don't care about. It is the one-stop shop in a short period of time every day to know what's going on in the wrestling world and not be angry afterwards. (laughs) Exactly. And by the way, speaking of Twitter, since that's the only way a lot of you know me since I was not on Facebook or Instagram, or at least not active on there before, Semper Vivi on Instagram. I'm using Twitter a lot less. I also have Mid-Atlantic Pod on Instagram and Facebook as well, too. Plus the YouTube page for the Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast as well. Go to Mid-Atlantic Pod at YouTube. Doesn't cost you anything. Just uh, click on subscribe. Give a couple of thumbs up. And as you go to sleep, play the videos. You know, I think I've already hit uh, the what I need. No, don't. yeah, I think I already hit what I need there. Just need to get a thousand, and then they can start paying me pennies on the dollar. <laughs> there you go. On that note, let's close it out. We'll talk to everyone next time. Bye bye. <laughs>